Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Florida, and today is Thursday, February 15th, 2018, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. And we are going to be starting with the first full paragraphs. Some some of our alcoholic readers reading through four paragraphs that end with, I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Kathy R., the 12 Traditions, Esther F. Our text readers are Carmela G., Rita K., Lauren N., and our newcomer greeter today is Jeanette S., and the host for second hour is Rebecca B. And the share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, February 14th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,045-11045. And the share ID for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,046. One one zero four six. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Kathy R. if she will read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy R. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater living in the Clearwater, Florida area. Here are the 12 steps of our wonderful program. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10 continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you for letting me do service. I hope you all have a great day. Thank you, Kathy R. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 Traditions of OA for us. Good morning, everyone. It's Esther F., a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, I'm sorry, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but our but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12, and anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. And I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I will be timing and I will say time when you're over three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overreaders only. Our abstinent requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 27. We will begin with the first paragraph, 
some of our alcoholic readers, and we'll be reading through four paragraphs ending with successful with an alcoholic of your description. And with that, I'm going to ask Carmela G. if she will read for us, please. Thank you. Can you hear me, Monica? Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. This is Carmela G. from New York, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with, this, with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, the doctor replied, there is. Exceptions to such cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Well, talk about a mixed message here. The doctor is giving him hope, telling him, yes, he's had success, and yet he's never tested it on such a severe alcoholic. Almost like our crazy minds. Um... We can put the food down, the allergy is nice and quiet, and why do we go to pick up again? Because of our mind. And this is what the doctor is talking about. Without the spiritual help, we have no hope. And it's so fortunate that I have a power that I call God in my life. I always had this. God in my life, but I always kept shoving him out of the way and saying, I can handle it, it's okay. And he's such a wise God, um, and and I always knew that he was all-knowing, but I still thought I could handle it. And that's the insanity that we have to have our spiritual experience handle. And I know we talk about spiritual experiences once we've recovered and all through our program if we're working it, but my God was such 
a divine, wise being that I kept going on, going off, going on abstinence, going off abstinence. And when I was about to serve a lunch to the family, before I got into program, I was serving, I was bringing the tray of food out. I had already prepared my abstinent lunch and was deciding my will was going to work that day, not my God's will. And I was going to serve this food. And as I'm walking out to serve it, in my head I hear, no, Carmela, not today. No more. And that was July 22nd. 2013. And from that day forth, I put the food down, and God has helped me maintain my program. I work the program, and the experiences continue, and I don't ever want to give it up. It's not the weight loss that keeps me in this program. Yes, it's delightful. It is the gift of all these little things that I was knowing everything, and now I only know that I need my God that is directing my life. And that has changed my entire life, and it's amazing. Time. Thank you. And I don't ever want to get this help. I pray every day. Thank you so much for allowing me to do service. Enjoy the day. Thank, thank you, Carmela. And for those who may have just come on, we are on page 27. And we are t- uh, talking about the four paragraphs, the first four paragraphs, some of our alcoholic readers, four paragraphs today. And who else would, and who would like to share this morning? Kay G from Boston. Larry K. Larry. Kim. Reva P. Reva. Jackie B. from the Bronx. Jackie. You're being nice to me, y'all, this morning. (laughs) How wonderful. Okay, this is what I got. All right, Lauren. All right, gotcha. Okay, this is what I got. Katie G., Harlan G., Larry K., Kim G., Reva P., Jackie B., and Lauren N. So, Katie, you're up, followed by Harlan. Good morning, Miss Monica. Good morning, my spiritual family. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Thrilled to be on the line, starting my timer. Yeah, I love what this is talking about, right? Okay, so we're not just talking, Katie G, you need to lose a few pounds, right? Like this is not a small change. So the first phrase I love is vital spiritual experience. So vital means life-giving. So my vital signs tell me whether I'm alive or not. If I don't have them, I'm dead. So again, this isn't like a small little bit of a change. This is life and death. This is the difference between my heart beating and my heart not beating, right, is this spiritual experience. And what? how often do these occur? These occurrences are phenomena. They're rare occurrences. And what needs to happen? All right, KDG, you need a huge emotional displacement and rearrangement. All of these words, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, all of these words are, are words, are synonyms for change, 
right? Like I can't, as the result of working the steps for the first time 10 years ago, I started seeing how everything in my life was about me, how I felt like all of you people wronged me. You were either better than me or you were worse than me and, and you had stuff I wanted and so I hated you or you didn't do what I wanted and so I hated you and I had to get what I wanted and so I hated you. And that, those, that, those were my best skills. Those were my best skills, right? But now today as the result of working a step and continuing Right, the old forces that used to guide me, like you know what, I get up in the morning. How am I going to get what I want? How am I going to get you to give me what I want? And if you don't give me what I want, how am I going to make you go away so somebody else can give me what I want? Right. So now I have a completely new set of conceptions um, and motives that are dominating me. And I have to tell you, the emotional rearrangement that I have had as the result of the work of working the steps. I don't want what I want anymore. And what I mean by that is, you know, the things I give to God, I know that there are better things. I'm not waking up any, any longer in the morning and saying, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get what I want? And how, how, how am I going to make this all work, right? Like, how can I best serve you, God? Thy will not mine be done. And when I do get caught up in selfishness, dishonesty, self-centeredness, and fear, I have a program that reminds me, you know what? Thank God I'm alive today. And I have to tell you, for this self-centered, selfish brat who grew up in the burbs of Boston, to be able to say thank you God today that I'm alive I have a roof over my head food in the fridge clothes on my back money in the bank and I don't want to eat today that I'm grateful for that that's a total blessed miracle so I am so grateful to be doing this program with all of you one day at a time and I just can't wait to see how God is going to change me and all of you and with that I pass thank you Katie G Harlan G you're up then it'll be Larry K Thanks, Monica, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Scottsdale, Arizona. On page 26, we're told that Roland Hazard was trying to get with the best-known American psychiatrists. That would be Sigmund Freud and or, and, or, doc, not and, or Dr. Adler. They weren't taking on any new patients. So he went to Switzerland and placed himself under the care of Dr. Carl Jung. And Jung broke rank with Freud and Adler in one area. Freud and Adler believed that all solution lie within the mind. Is it odd or is it God that Roland got with Jung who believed, as it says on page 27, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. We have to remember that this is 1932, 33, excuse me. This is 1933. Yes, replied the doctor after being asked, is there no exception? And this is where he breaks, breaks rank with them. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital 
spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. The reason he called it a phenomenon is he didn't know how to bring it about and he didn't completely understand it. And to springboard off Katie, let's take a look at how many times here Dr. Jung is going to refer to the concept of change. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements, change, and rearrangements, change. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, change, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begins to dom begin to dominate them, change. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement, change, within you, with many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. And for amplification, see Appendix 2, which we've already covered last Friday. The bottom line is, what must change for me to recover? Well, the answer is everything. Everything. I'm going to change my playmates, my playgrounds, and my play toys. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to go from self-centered to others directed. I'm going to go to trying to get what I want out of the world, as Katie said, to seeing what I can give. And that's so different for me. For 19 years, I haven't compulsively overeaten. And with God's help, I have done so happily. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Larry Kay, you're up. And then it'll be Kim G. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Larry K. Recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. The uh, yeah, the, you have the the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it exists in you. You know that chronic, the chronic mind of an alcoholic. We can stop. We just can't stay stopped. But there's there's much more to it. You know, I I know lots of people that you ever seen these Fitbits. This, this technology, we can, we can count our steps, we can count our calories, it tells us when to breathe, when to move around, all this stuff. And it's a wonderful technology. I don't have one, but I, I, it seems like a wonderful technology. You know, I wish I would have had something that could count how many times a day that I was assassinating one's character. I wish I had something that could, that could count how many times a day that I was selfish Boy, that would be uh, that would be something, huh? If we had kind of a Fitbit for that. We don't, you know that that's part of the mind of a chronic alcoholic. Here's the challenge for us. See, it's 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 not illegal to compulsively overeat. You know, you're you're never going to receive a sentence to go to jail from killing yourself with food and killing those around you and the relationships that you're ripping apart. You're you're not going to go to jail for that, and you're surrounded by scores of people even within your own family, perhaps among your closest friends who are killing themselves with food. And, and you're not even going to be dissuaded from binging your brains out. And generally in our society, you're encouraged to eat yourself to death. It's, it's almost like a rite of passage. We have days devoted to eating. And all you're offered as a solution to this problem is perhaps another diet, another exercise plan, maybe a surgical procedure 
or an admonition to, to undergo a lifestyle change by way of uh, committing to applying more willpower, you know. And the scientific community tells us, well, you know what? Here's what you do. Cut back on unhealthy foods. Push yourself away from the table. Well, that's brilliant to someone with an alcoholic mind. Push yourself away from that drink. Eat healthy proteins and vegetables. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, I'd like to do that. That makes sense to me. Makes rational sense. Exercise three times a week. I, I, you know what I'll do? I'll put an elliptical machine in my living room and I'll get me a, a Fitbit to count my steps while I'm eating milk, dozen pizza because I can't stop. I have the, the mind of a chronic alcoholic. The only thing that's going to work for the mind of a chronic alcoholic is a complete personality change, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual transformation effective enough to drive out the obsession. Otherwise, you're going to be like me and you're going to put the elliptical machine right in front of your TV. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Kim G., you're up, and then it'll be Reva P. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, we, we hear this all the time. You need a psychic change. You need a personality change. You need a spiritual awakening. You need a spiritual experience. That's slammed home. Um, many, many meetings I go to. But what does that mean? For me personally, this last paragraph we read is a perfect description of what a spiritual awakening looks like. You know, in society in general, when we have a problem, what is the solution? You know, it's, it's more, in most cases, it's more. The problem is you need more money, more sex, more education, maybe a better job, live in a better neighborhood. And I have to tell you, my experience in Overeaters Anonymous is very similar. I would drag myself back into a meeting after a relapse, and I would tell them what happened. And I was often told, oh, you know what the problem is? You need more meetings. You know what you need? You need more phone calls. You know what? You need a better food plan. You need a better sponsor. But the fact of the matter is, in a spiritual sense, what we need is, is a spiritual life is about subtraction, not addition. You know, we learn that we're blocked from this power. So I have to get, what, what, what does that mean? I have to remove all those blocks. I have to subtract them. So when it says here, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which are once the guiding force of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side, let's look at what steps four through nine do. Conduct, and they're cast to one side. In six and seven, we identify those defects that we're selfish, we're dishonest, we're self-seeking, we're frightened, we're inconsiderate, and those are cast to one side. And then in eight and nine, we get rid of our guilt, shame, and remorse of how we've treated others, and those is cast to one side. And what happens when all of that's cast to one side? A power greater than herself naturally comes up. So it says a, new, a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate us. And we often hear about the principles of the steps. You know, one is honesty, two is hope, three is faith, four is courage, etc. And I just want to warn you, and this is my opinion, I think that's dangerous when we do that. Because you know what, I'm not a freaking idiot. I know I should be honest. I know I should have willingness. I know I should have discipline. I know I should have perseverance. The problem is, on my own power, I can't do that. So how do I acquire these principles, these one-word principles that seem so simple? I get courage by doing a step four. I get humility by practicing step 11. I learn forgiveness by doing step nine. So it's by doing the steps that I acquire these principles. 
And by doing the steps, I'm able to put aside emotions and attitudes which, which used to dominate us. This is such a beautiful description of a spiritual awakening that means absolutely nothing if we don't take the actions to receive it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Jackie B. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, currently in Florida. Um, Yeah, I wanted to share on the uh, repetition alluding to the business of changing. You know what? I don't like change. Um, I don't want to change. I want what I want when I want it. But it tells me in the page before that if I am an alcoholic or a real compulsive overeater, I only have two alternatives. Either I work the steps and do what it says in this book, or I kill myself slowly or quickly. That's the only two choices. So um, if the only option is about change, um, my problem was I thought that I had to change myself after learning everything in this big book. And that's not what it's telling me. It's telling me that I can't change myself. I'm beyond human aid. Even this uh, brilliant doctor couldn't do it for Bill. Um, So, yes, just like others have shared, I am so amazed um, being here with family. um, I do want what I want, and I want everybody to do what I want them to do so I can have a nice holiday, don't you know? Um, And this is reminding me that the only one I can change is myself, but I don't change myself. All I need to do is the step work, and by unblocking myself, um, God can come in, and that's the power that will change me, Um, and it is such an amazing process um, that has to be experienced. I don't think I can explain this to other people who haven't done it. Um, it's all in the action. Um, And what do I have to change? I have to change everything. Um, Because from the moment I get up, my mind is just so busy um, wanting what I want when I want it. So um, it's just a great reminder that the power that brings about the change is not me. um, And I don't have to make things happen. I have to get rid of the blocks um, to that power. And then it just it just happens and it just swoops right in, right in and it's just the most awesome thing. With that, I pass. Diddle, diddle, thank you, Reva P. Jackie B., you're up and then it'll be Lauren Ann. This is Jackie B. from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, thank you, everybody, for your shares, your service. Um, you know, you told my story uh, and my recovery today. Um, I'm amazed that I can see Jackie, uh, the martyr, the person who um, wanted, you know, everybody to admire, to want, to desire, to make the center of their universe. Why not? I'm the best person there is in God's green earth because I'm sacrificial. I like to sacrifice. Today I realized that I don't have the answers. What I do have is the steps. And as long as I'm willing to do the steps, then I don't live in obsession of what my next meal is going to be, what bag is going to be my next 
saying what excursion is going to be my next uh, act. Um, today, I am, like, so amazed. Yesterday, I had to go for procedures uh, to determine certain things, um, and I noticed my mood changed. But in that time that my mood changed, it was because whatever the results are, I've left it to my higher power to handle, not for me to handle. I still reach out to other people. I still tell, do my 10th, 11th step. I still make myself present. Um, I am now sitting in a whole bunch of traffic with my husband driving. I couldn't do that before. If you knew me before, I had to fly over this traffic. Today I don't do that. Today I said, you know what? I'm feeling sore today. I'm going to sit here. I'll get to work when I get there. In the meantime, I get to hear this meeting. I get to hear the experience, strength, and hope. And I take the action. The action is the 12 steps. That's it. And with that, I let my higher power. I am the vessel that shares my experience, strength, and hope. But it's my higher power that guides me and teaches me. So with that, I pass. Everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Good morning. Can you hear me? It's Lauren in. Hello, T. Are you there? Hi, this is Second Lauren. Second sure, Monica, back here. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, you can go ahead and share if you're in the lineup next. Yeah, I hit the wrong button, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, everyone on the line. It's so wonderful to be here every day. And for that, I thank you all because you have been my higher power until I've started, until I've allowed myself to think that maybe there is something out there looking out for me. Like Roland says to the doctor, are there, please doctor, is there no exception? I've been saying that for years. I wanted to control life and own life and be part of and and be in charge of everybody around me. That was my way of handling my life. And no longer, thank God, I put it in God's hands. And... For a long time, it's been in your hands, in my my fellows' hands. And thank God I'm finding today I'm able to let go and not hold on so tight. God will show me how to be not that selfish, self-centered person I always have been and to be there for others in a way that I've never, ever been able to be there before. And all of a sudden, I'm not feeling as lonely and empty as I always did. I want to pass this message on to thousands around me, but, you know, I am in doing what I do instead of being what I was. My body is different today, but also my mind and my soul is different today. And it's only with all the help from all of you in these rooms that I can say that. 
I am a recovered compulsive overeater today and sugar addict. And thank God for that one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. And for those who may have come on a little bit later, we are on page 27. We have read four paragraphs, starting with some of our alcoholic readers may think, ending with, I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description, and we're taking shares on all four paragraphs. And who else would like to share this morning? Edie Craig. That's all I got. Try again. Dorita P. Dorita. Okay. Udini, Craig, Dorita. Julie R. Julie. Anyone else? Jennifer H. Jennifer. Okay. Well, this is what I got at the moment. Irini, Craig F., Dorita P., Julie R., and Jennifer H. Irini, you're up, and that'll be Craig. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. I have a chronic mind. Chronic. It's reoccurring. It's persistent. I did the things I didn't want to do, and I didn't do the things that I wanted to do. So if we don't change, nothing changes. If we don't change, we don't grow. And if we don't grow... We are buried in that darkness, and we need to thrive in the light of the Spirit. So I can't change on my own willpower. I do have willpower, but it's very weak. And I need to to have my willpower be plugged into my internal generator to charge me up and to move forward. I need this book in one hand. I need you in my other hand, and I need God. I need to give my heart to God. And then I say, God, please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and you, God, for an open mind and a new experience of myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and especially you, God. I pass. Thank you, Edini. Craig, you're up, followed by Dorita P. Hi, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you for your service and for the Hall of Team Thursday. I'm assuming I'm being heard. Um, the uh, <clears throat> thank you. I uh, sat for years in OA meetings. Too many, so many years it embarrasses me almost. You know, um, in, in OA meetings and in AA meetings, and I listened to this, heard these 
passages and so misunderstood. Um, you know, I I would read this about here and here and there once in a while. They've had these vital spiritual experiences, these phenomenon, this complete huge emotional displacement and rearrangement. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's what I need. I I, I get it. I I need that. I mostly because I didn't like who I was. So uh, I want to be somebody different. And uh, you know, so God, please change my ideas, emotions, attitudes. Uh, you know, and uh, and and help me be uh, be better. And I, you know, was expecting God to appear to me in the burning bush or white light, and and you know. And and all would be well with the world, you know. And and so so much missed there, you know. I I was a pretty good student growing up, and I I would uh, um, I could pass the test. I never wanted to do the homework, you know. I remember arguing with teachers saying, "I aced your test. Why do you want to mark my grade down for not doing the homework?" The homework was to teach me the material, and obviously I knew the material. So, uh, you know, why why should I have to do the homework? Why should I have to do the work? You know, just give me, tell me the information. I can remember it, and and I, I couldn't get it through my head that in the work, in the work of uh, of being honest about the my moral inventory about being honest about who I resented and what I feared and the harms I'd done and, and, and confessing that, you know, reducing my ego enough to be able to confess that to myself, God, and another human being. And, and, and in the doing the work of, of asking God to remove my character defects, not, uh, not working on them myself, but asking God to remove them. And in the, in the work of going out and making amends for those wrongs I made and, 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 and uh, being thorough about that, being, you know, not holding back, that, that in doing that work, that I would clear the path so God could have this spiritual rearrangement. This, and, and, you know, and it took desperation for me. It took, it took you know, hitting 520 pounds. You know, I, I came in at 410, got down to playing weight for me, which is around 260, and, uh, and I'm a tall guy. And then getting uh, getting back up to 520 pounds, you know, after I'd gotten to OA, and then and 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 getting you know fighting it. And being, Time. Thank you. And being, but it took being in a hospital bed. It took desperation for me to finally find this program and find a way to do the work to clear the path to allow God to have that change in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Dorita P., you're up, followed by Julie R. Thank you. Hi, my name is Dorita P. from Cleveland. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm really grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, so I'm really grateful I have a seat here. Um yeah, so I could just picture this hopeless alcoholic in front of this doctor uh, with his head down um, and the doctor saying, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Um, 
And he said, is there no exception? Um, and here's the doctor. Yes, replied the doctor. There is. I mean, that was good news. That was good news. Exceptions to cases such as yours, <coughs> excuse me, have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. And I, I like the way the uh, uh, lady uh, defined vital. You know, it's life-given and your vital signs. You know, it's your heart beating. Um, and I'm just really grateful that I stuck around long enough um, to, and, you know, I, you know, they talk about willingness. For me, I don't know necessarily how much willingness I had. I just know I was desperate. I was desperate to do anything. If my uh, desperate enough to do anything, if my sponsor had told me to stand on my head three times a day, I would have tried. And I just want to share uh, about a recent change, and it kind of choked me up a little bit. Um, but I had to make a recent change. Um, you know, I was um, hmm. I really don't know how to say it or word it. Um, I was having a problem with a lot of people in OA, and I was—I um, thought they were doing it wrong. And one of the things that would make me cringe was when people would say, "My abstinence is three meals a day," and I would just cringe. Um, and you know, confusing abstinence and food plan. Uh, so the confusion came in. I don't know. I think more than 20 years ago when uh, abstinence was a tool, so they confused the two. Um, but I'm like, 20 years later, why are people still confusing it? Um, so for newcomers on the line, abstinence is just the action of refraining from compulsive overeating. Abstinence is abstaining from something, stopping something. And uh, our, so abstinence is the same for all of us. And our food plan is what's different. Uh, so my food plan is three meals a day not my abstinence. So, and I feel like it's my place to correct people. Um, <laughs> so, so the conclusion I came uh, to uh, just yesterday, I think it was just yesterday, Time. that I need to be, okay, thank you. I need to be loving and kind no matter what. Like I need to not eat no matter what. I need to be loving and kind no matter what. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Dorita P. Julie R., it's your turn, followed by Jennifer H. Thanks, Monica. Good morning. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So, you know, what is this vital, you know, spiritual experience? It goes on to describe it. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Again, you know, that sounds like it's not attainable, but it's about the change that occurred in me. I'm being reorganized, that reorganized because I'm not going to think, act, or feel like I did before. And it goes on to talk about ideas and emotions and beliefs, which were once the guiding forces of these men, right, are suddenly cast out. Ideas, those are my thoughts, my emotions, those are my feelings and my attitudes, those are my beliefs. So, so again, what does that mean to Julie? What, what's my experience in that from before I was recovered to now? I mean, um, I can use an, a recent example. I'm leading my home group meeting 
and my son's at the ER and he's texting me. And now before I would have gone into a big panic. I got to control this. I got to go. I've got to do this. I got to fly to Southern California. But I led my meeting and I made somebody take over in case I needed to get off the phone. And he's texting me. It doesn't look good. Again, what do I do? I lead my home group meeting and I pray. And I'm waiting to hear back and I get a text and everything, you know, pneumonia, blah, blah, blah. But what would I have done before? My thoughts, my ideas, and my emotions would have been panic, fear, thinking the worst, snowballing. But I didn't do any of that because I instantly went into prayer. That is that huge displacement of me. Who am I today? And the awesome thing about that was that my son said, oh, I don't want to call mom and interrupt her meeting because I know how important that is to her. So that's a testimony of who I am today. It's like I have had a personality change where my family sees it. They understand my home group, what it means to me. They understand and, and that I didn't have to call them a thousand times. Is that me making that change? Hell no, because all my life, I am driven, I'm controlling, I'm manipulative. But for today, I do this work, I show up, and I take action. And thank God I'm not that Julie I was before. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. Jennifer H., you're up. Good morning. This is Jennifer H., compulsive overeater in Virginia. I'm grateful to be recovered today. Um, I get nervous sharing on this line, but I'm trying to get myself to do it once a week or so, um, just to, so, I don't know, just to be present, I guess. And um, when I read through this, you know, I thought, I, I like a previous person, I was in a way a long time, and I'd lose weight, and then I'd gain it all back, and I'd lose weight, and I'd gain it all back, and then when I was losing, I was like, oh, good, I finally got whatever this is I'm supposed to get, and then I'd gain it all back, and um, someone said yesterday that they felt like they were the one that was capably or what was it, um, incapable of being honest with themselves. And when they said that yesterday, I was like, yes, that was me. I was doubting myself. And as a result, I left program for about, I don't know, 12 years and tried to be normal. And that didn't work very well. So anyway, I'm just grateful to be back. And having, um, having the first meeting I went to, I learned about Vision for You. And I've been reading through and studying with my sponsor and now I'm able to actually read to read it with other people, which is a blessing because I get to visit it again while being of service. Um, so this vital spiritual experience, you know, I in between those 12 years, I went started going to church and praying and going to prayer meetings, and so I kind of thought, okay, I've got this connection now. This will fix it. But that wasn't enough, you know. There, it wasn't enough to cause the change that this program does in me, um, and this. You know, these great displacements and rearrangements and letting go of old attitudes. Um, maybe it was baby step beginning, but what really, really has helped me change and put down the food and live a life is coming back to this program and working these steps. Um, and recently I've had something really bothering me where I work, and um, and it's me. It's all about me. So that sent me back to doing 10 steps and looking at my 6th and 7th step and my character defects. And again, I need a vital spiritual experience around that and the change. And it's not going to come from me. It's going to be from me setting aside my conceptions and being open to what God has in store for me. 
because when I try to fix things myself, it doesn't work very well. So I'm really actually pretty happy to turn this over to God this morning. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jennifer H. And we've got four minutes. So, two two minutes. Who would like it? Russ M. Russ. Anybody else? Liz B. Liz B. Okay, Russ, Liz. Two minutes. Go for it, Russ. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica. Russ M. Recover compulsive overeater, outside of Philly. So when uh, I read this passage, every time I see this part where Dr. Young tells Roland, like, you're, you're in bad shape. I've never seen anybody like you, you know, and, you know, you're almost hopeless, you know. Um, I just look at myself, to be perfectly honest with you, that that's where I was, and I don't want to go back to it. It's, this is evoking such emotion to me this morning. Like, I am screwed up. I do have issues when it comes to life, not just food. And if I'm not working these steps, and I'm not in program, and I'm not sharing the message, and I'm not doing what this book prescribes, I'm going to be right back to that hopeless dude that's like on the brink of death. So that's all I got today, and that's what that's what it brought up to me. And I just love all you guys. I wish everybody just keep, keep getting a reprieve, keep working the steps. Thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Russ M. Liz B., you got two minutes. Hi, Monica. Liz B. from North Carolina. Thank you. Um, I'm so grateful to get to quickly share on this. This is one of my favorite um, notions of the big book, and I, too, am amazed that I would read this passage before for the many years I was in program, um, before I became recovered, and not understand it. And I understand it now in such a profound way huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. I may be mixing those up. Um, I just think different. I'm amazed to recognize that I, the selfishness that showed up in my life and that I'm not that way. I don't expect others to take care of me in ways that I used to. Um, I accepted some huge things about a relationship, the relationship with my mother. It was only possible because I was doing this work, doing these 10 steps, showing up every day. And then things that seem small but that are huge. I hosted an event in my home this weekend, and I was a different person. I used to expect my family to get with the program, help me get things cleaned up and and ready. I had none of that. I didn't worry about what the people would think when they came, and I was able just to be present with them while they were there. This is just the daily living that has completely changed as a result of working these steps in order. Huge that I did face-to-face amends. I went to three states to make direct amends. I never would have done that. And so I'm just so grateful, and we keep coming back. Thanks. I pass. Thank you so much, Liz B. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We so quickly have come to the end of our meeting here again. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And the share ID for today's meeting, 7 a.m., is 11,052-11052. And Rita Kay, 
Would you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Yes. This is Rita Kay, recovered in Kansas. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you 